The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. Microsoft has been cleared in the United States to buy Activision Blizzard for $69 billion. It comes after a San Francisco judge denied the Federal Trade Commission's bid to block the gaming deal. The ruling was that the FTC had not shown that the merger would harm competition for gaming. Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow discusses what this means for the industry going forward. We've described this deal as transformative for the video games industry because it would give Microsoft that mobile gaming component, but it would also put into focus a hot property, Call of Duty. One of the compromises that Microsoft and Activision put forward was to make Call of Duty available in rival platforms, namely Sony's PlayStation and and on Nintendo. Nintendo were agreeable to that solution and Sony wasn't. I guess that Bobby Kotick and the Microsoft executives will be more buoyant. In the meantime, the UK Competition and Markets Authority said that it's open to looking at the Microsoft Activision merger again. It had vetoed the deal back in May, citing competition concerns. Microsoft is currently appealing that decision. Both sides have agreed to pause their legal battle. The UK regulator says it's ready to consider any proposals from Microsoft on how to restructure the transaction. Microsoft and Activision cannot close until a remedy is reached. Well, the Walt Disney Company is reportedly exploring strategic options for its streaming business in India, known as Star India. We have that story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Those options include a joint venture or a sale, according to the Wall Street Journal, which cites sources as saying the company has talked to at least one bank about ways to help the India business grow while sharing some of the costs. It is a sign of strain at one of the premier properties that it acquired from Fox. According to the journal, back in 2019, Disney paid $71.3 billion for the entertainment assets of 21st Century Fox, and at the time, Star India was considered considered one of Fox's crown jewels. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg, Daybreak Asia. Well, President Xi Jinping has called for a greater opening up of the Chinese economy. We get that story from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong. She called for a greater focus on foreign cooperation in areas including trade and investment. That's according to CCTV, citing Xi in a meeting on deepening reform. Xi's call comes as it's become clear that the economic recovery following the end of Beijing's COVID-0 policies is starting to waver. There's also been a clampdown this year on foreign consultancy firms that help global investors and multinational firms understand China. And this has weakened the appetite for investment from overseas firms. As a result, China 
China's attempts to encourage foreign investors have ramped up in recent weeks. Earlier this week, authorities took a step towards supporting the ailing property market by extending loan relief for developers. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. And speaking of loans, China's new loans accelerated in the month of June. This was after the PBOC lowered interest rates. If nothing else, the big jump in loans show that rates really do matter in China, even with lackluster demand. Aggregate financing totaling 4.2 trillion won. That's the equivalent of about 583 billion U.S. dollars. And that was higher than the estimate. The Bloomberg survey was looking for only 3.1 trillion yuan in new loans. And these were obviously above forecast. Meantime, new household loans, that's a proxy for Chinese mortgages, increased slightly from last year. That suggests a modest pickup in the property market in China. Overall, these figures do provide a little bit of hope that the Chinese economy will see faster sequential growth in the second half of the year after slumping during the second quarter. Now, Bloomberg economic is saying the PBOC's rate cut back in mid-June may have provided that lift. However, BE, Bloomberg Economics, saying that more support is needed. Brian? Well, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand is expected to keep the country's cash rate on hold when it meets today, and this could signal the end of the aggressive tightening cycle done by the central bank. Bloomberg's Paul Allen has more from Sydney. After 525 basis points of rate increases, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand is expected to call time today on a tightening cycle that began back in October 2021. All 18 economists surveyed by Bloomberg see the cash rate staying put at 5.5%. The aggressive tightening has pushed New Zealand into a technical recession, but inflation moderated to 6.7% in the first quarter and is expected to decelerate again when second quarter data is released next week. While there won't be a press conference after today's announcement, the RBNZ has previously said it doesn't see any further rate increases and expects inflation to return to its 1-3% to target range next year. Paul Allen, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis along with Doug Krisner. And Doug, a big win here for Microsoft, a loss for Lena Khan and the FTC. But I think we should say not a huge loss because even the judge cited a number of concessions by Microsoft uh, were cited there. Uh, for instance, keeping Call of Duty on PlayStation for 10 years and the agreement with Nintendo. And, and she wrote that the scrutiny that this case brought on the deal paid off. And in the end, uh, this may satisfy some of those who think, um, you know, big is, is bad for consumers. In this case, the court ruled this was actually OK for consumers. It's the gaming industry, right? And we know the footprint globally is huge. I don't even know in terms of overall dollars what this market is worth. It's obviously in China very popular. How the gaming industry, though, has become or was an early playground for developments in artificial intelligence, that's very interesting to me. I think we talk a lot about what we are accustomed to now in the evolution of video games, but if you go back to the 1970s when this was still a very young industry, a lot of the guys now that we refer to as being the sharp minds behind AI had their early start in, uh, in the gaming industry. 
Yeah, I mean, think about this. Activision Blizzard uh, being sold for $69 billion. Uh, it's amazing uh, the, the strides that have been made. But I can segue into this. Everybody always talks about the massive gains in, in uh, AI stocks and the Magnificent Seven, those big seven tech companies. We had today the industrial shares spider hitting an all-time high. And that is good for people looking for health in the, in the market. It's a more broadening out of the gains that you see on Wall Street. I think one of the big questions going forward now is uh, where is the Fed in all of this? Uh, tomorrow, obviously, in the U.S., we're going to get the, the CPI data. Bloomberg expecting the core rate to moderate to around month over month, three-tenths of one percent, year over year increase in the core of around five percent. Now, Bloomberg's John Authors was saying in one of his columns, if those numbers prove to be true, that would kind of support the notion that the Fed won't have to hike too much more aggressively. Maybe we get a soft landing. Maybe we have avoid the hard recession. But here's the question. What if the forecasts are overly optimistic? Remember that May reading on the PCE was a disappointment. Yeah, you know, it's, you never know with the data. That's why, you know, it's very important to be mindful of, of what we actually get. Um, like, for instance, um, we, we mentioned that uh, the loan uh, data yesterday, both for new loans and also for the aggregate financing, well above expectations. The forecast, I mean, th these numbers were like 25 to 33% above the expectations. And I think you made a good point there uh, in saying that, um, you know, at the right price, there is demand. Because you hear a lot of people in China saying, well, you can't really stimulate the economy with monetary policy because there's no demand for loans. Well, the data yesterday showed there is. Next big data point is uh, the China trade data that we'll get on Thursday to see how well the economy is performing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely a little give and take up and down. Now it's time for Global News. At the NATO summit, Ukraine is top of mind. Ed Baxter has global news from the I-60 newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, it sure is, Brian. Uh, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg pledged full NATO support for Ukraine. We need to stand by Ukraine for as long as it takes. I mean, we need to step up and sustain uh, our support to Ukraine. That will be the clear message from, uh, from this summit. That has been the message from NATO allies and partners now since the war uh, started. Yeah, Stoltenberg says NATO will shorten the path for Ukraine membership in NATO. We reaffirmed that Ukraine will become a member of NATO and agreed to remove the requirement for a membership action plan when Ukraine is ready. And that will bring the membership process, by the way, from two-step to one. And also today, a welcome to Finland. This will change Ukraine's membership path from a two-step process to a one-step process. Yeah, and uh, pledge to work further on Sweden's acceptance. So waiting for Turkey's parliament now, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says it is a must. That sends a very strong message to Vladimir Putin that he's not going to uh, outlast Ukraine, he's not going to outlast NATO. Now, if F-16s uh, from the U.S. are an important component of the Sweden deal, and U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says President Biden is going to make that happen. And Stoltenberg says not to be forgotten the threat to the globe from China. China is increasingly challenging, challenging the rules-based international order, refusing to condemn Russia's war against Ukraine 
threatening Taiwan and carrying out substantial military buildup. And says the rate at which the world has uh, not seen before with no transparency, the China that is. Taiwan, meanwhile, says it detected dozens of Chinese warplanes and other military aircraft conducting training with warships off Taiwan's southeast coast. It says 29 PLA aircraft crossed the median line of the strait or entered into, into its defense zone. Now, Taiwan did deploy aircraft and naval vessels along with deploying land-based missile systems. Senate hearings today, U.S., on a merger between the PGA and Live Golf, Saudi Arabia. Senator Richard Blumenthal says it challenges American values to even think about it. Today's hearing is about much more than the game of golf. It's about how a brutal, repressive regime can buy influence, indeed even take over a cherished American institution. He says a vast sums of money can induce individuals and institutions to betray their own values and sell a cherished sport to a foreign government. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says U.S. is still analyzing the break and then subsequent talks between Russian President Vladimir Putin and Wagner Group's uh, Yevgeny Prigozhin and how it will play off. But he does say what it means for President Putin remains to be seen. But it does raise all sorts of questions, and it does suggest there's some cracks in the armor. He says profound questions that Putin has to answer. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Doug Krisner. Our guest is Jay Poloski, founder and principal at TPW Advisory. Jay, when Doug and I were musing a short while ago, I talked about uh, the broadening out of the gains on on uh, the S&P 500 with the industrial shares Spider XLI moving to an all-time high. I might have spoken a little too early, but part of it is a broadening story. But is it also kind of like a, a reshoring story, too, for the U.S. economy? Well, I think it's both, guys. And, uh, yeah, I was uh, impressed that you raised that because so many people focus on the uh, the tech uh, leadership, but there's been a powerful rotation taking place over the last several months in the U.S. equity market. We wrote a piece, even titled it Rotation, two months ago in the middle of uh, May. And just to give you some numbers, uh, over the last three months, home builders are up 24 percent, transports are up 14 percent, the SPY is up eight, and the Q's technology are up 16 over the last one month, the transports were up 10, home builders up 8, and the Qs and the S&P up only 2. So uh, you add the industrials, as you pointed out, and there's a um, the market is, is telling us, right? I mean, we're big believers in letting the market tell us, not us try to tell the market. And the market is clearly saying no recession, clearly saying that manufacturing is going to catch up 
to services uh, and not services catch down to manufacturing. And as you point out, a part of it, and I think a big part, is the reshoring what we call the new industrial policy, what the president calls Bidenomics. Uh, we think it's a major, major factor uh, that's going to drive the global economy uh, over the next several years. So, Jay, as you know, the earnings season is going to kick off at the end of the week. Um, when we get guidance from some of, these, some of these companies, will it confirm what the market is telling us? Will we get confirmation from corporate America? Well, we're already seeing that. Uh, you, you've had the, the most po- the most pre-released positives uh, on earnings for Q2 uh, in over two years. So uh, the news is already good news, and it's going to continue. And the bar is low, right? I mean, the bar is, I think, 7% down year on year. Uh, and this is supposed to be the trough quarter. So uh, let's remember that uh, the Atlanta Fed just came out with its latest update uh, now cast for Q2 GDP at over 2%. So, you know, that's the, the reason why the market is acting well. The numbers, the earnings estimates are strong, growth is strong, inflation expectations are collapsing. Cleveland 10 year uh, forward inflation expectations at a 40 year low, 40 mm. year low. Financial conditions yeah. the loosest since the pre-SVP period, a lot of uh, positive news out there. Yeah, but, you know, when you listen to the Bears, they they also make some persuasive points. I find myself on this show where we get such a good variety of guests, uh, sometimes getting bared up and sometimes getting bulled up. I, when, I, when, I come back to, when I come back to square one, I, I, I note at the moment the strength in the housing market and the auto market and that's what usually tips me uh, to the point of being slightly more positive going forward than the bears would be. And I think you agree. Uh, oh, yes. We've been constructive for basically the last year, uh, and uh, not only in the U.S., but other markets around the world. And, and look, the bears, uh, I just don't understand how you can still be bearish because the equity, uh, global equities are up about 14% first half of the year, the best first half of the year in something like 25 or 30 years. Cash, which everybody talked about over the last six months, got to be in cash. Cash is great. Cash is king. Cash has been one of the worst places to be in the first part of this year. So I think the time is rapidly running out for the bears. Uh, I don't really, I don't really see the case for it at all. And I just note that sentiment, uh, Wall Street has the most bearish second half outlook this century. Hmm. So that the consensus uh, for where the S&P is going to end the year is at its lowest level relative to where it entered the second half of the year since the turn of uh, of this century, since 1999. So there's a lot of stale bears out there. And that's the thing that makes us say we want to buy the dip. Any dip is going to be limited because uh, there's a lot of people that need to get involved and are still uh, you know, way behind the eight ball in terms of performance. Jay, it's going to be an ugly year for a lot of people. I'm sorry to interrupt. We, we saw a lot of moves in, uh, in currencies today. Uh, the dollar, if you look at the Bloomberg dollar spot index, very near a 52-week low. This would only support the idea that if you're a multinational firm, the outlook is, uh, is pretty good with a weaker greenback. Yeah, though uh, the history shows that, that uh, companies trade uh, relative to their home market, not really... Uh, to foreign markets, uh, done a lot of work on that over the, on that over the past years. But you know, so our our point is that uh, we think the Fed is on hold. So the Fed on hold equals a weak dollar. Uh, a weak dollar equals a positive outlook for uh, the rest of the world equity markets and for commodities 
So when we look to the second half of the year, where we're most excited is in EM, both debt and equity, uh, and uh, in the commodity space. We think the physical market, the first half of the year has been all about digital, AI. The second half of the year, uh, we think, is yep, going to be a lot one. about physical. Yeah, yeah. just really briefly, because we're almost out of time, uh, Jay. Uh, in terms of investing, uh, what's your top dog at the moment? And don't say Joey Chestnut. <laughs> yeah, you saw my reference in my piece. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, uh, top dog, I guess, would be EM equity. Uh, we think emerging markets look really good, and we think energy and copper look really good. So we like the, co- we like the commodities. Uh, we like the emerging markets. We like Brazil. We, like, uh, we think China's going to do better in the second half. Uh, we like Mexico on the reshoring theme. There's, uh, there's a lot of opportunities out there. We like emerging market debt, uh, local currency debt was the best-performing fixed-income instrument in the first half of the year. We think it will continue to perform well in the second half. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.